Good morning. morning. Hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. It's good to see you all here. This day marks the beginning of the new church year, the first Sunday of Advent. And like many of you, we were in and out and around this past Thanksgiving weekend. We took our annual trip down to Monterey. And we decided this year to eat a little bit off the beaten track. So one of our stops included a Persian restaurant on Friday evening. So we called in our reservation and showed up good and early. And much to our surprise, when we arrived, this restaurant, along with other Middle Eastern establishments along the central California coast, featured belly dancing. So as my wife, who turned to me with a laugh as the meal arrived, noting that she never imagined saying grace with her family over dinner in front of a live belly dancer. (laughs) Maybe that's a lesson for Advent, which begins today with the new church year. Expect the unimaginable. Expect the unimaginable. That same evening as we walked down to Cannery Row, past all the decked out shops and the Christmas revelers and the carolers on Steinbeck Square, we encountered the crowds and the shopkeepers who seemed possessed, as you might expect, with both the hopes and desperation of Black Friday. Made ever more prescient by the doubts and concerns of our economic times. There was, of course, that long line of families with children who were all eager to talk with Santa, to get out their wish list and share it early and often. There was the choral group singing carols in four-part harmony, decked out in northern European coats and scarves and top hats, ready, it seemed, for the ice and snow that hardly ever comes to Monterey or northern California. But the weather didn't even let them down because there was a cold wind blowing off the ocean and that was icy enough, bone-biting enough to demand a little bit of Christmas spirit of all of us, even when Advent hadn't yet officially begun. But curiously enough, our son Daniel wasn't all that interested in the hype. He was drawn instead by the incessant roar of the waves below the square against the rocks, against the patchy sand. And so we found our way around the media vans and the pressing crowds and joined a handful of people who were there on the beach, taking in the salty waves in the moonlight. Those waves that had pounded the seashore of Monterey before the first Christmas carols were sung anywhere, even before the first Christmas. The surf and foam that touched somehow on eternity. And so that scene reminded me of the opening of the gospel today the opening of the gospel for our church year, Jesus pointing to the lifeblood of the earth and signs in the sky as witnesses to God's impending grace. The way they work away at the shores of our souls day in and day out, remaking the landscapes of our lives and hearts 
without ceasing, without pausing for breath, in some profound way for all of time. Anglican theologian Michael Schutt asks, where would you say does God live? In heaven? On earth? Within us? All around us? When you pray, where do you imagine God? He continues, Western theology has, generally speaking, emphasized God's transcendence. That is, God's being separate from and above creation. Put another way, we have inherited a very paltry understanding of our God with us. At best, a sort of God of the gaps, who seems only present to us in the inexplicable, a God who is only visible where empirical evidence fails us or scientific explanation falls short. But really, this God is no good to me. No good at all. Because a God of the gaps gets increasingly pushed out the more I learn about how the cosmos works, or at least how it appears to work through human eyes and reasoning. But I need a God who, according to the prophet Amos, made the Pleiades and Orion, who sets the universe not only in motion but abides in the very laws that govern it, who rests with every particle and in the fabric of the cosmos, who is active with every breath, who not only surprises me moment to moment, but meets me, as Christ says, in the signs of the sun and the moon and the stars and the roaring of the seas and the waves. A God in Christ, too, who speaks to me through the winds and through the voices of my brothers and sisters, through my loved ones, through the music, and through the ringing silences. This is an imminent God, the God who is our righteousness in the words of Jeremiah this day. This, in short, is the God of Advent. Jeremiah was writing of hope to a people struggling with God's purpose for them as they lived in exile. Likewise, Paul, in some of the earliest Christian writings we have, only a generation after Christ's crucifixion and resurrection, writes to his sisters and brothers in Christ in Thessalonica. They were struggling, too, with God's purpose for them. Their faith needed to be much more than just a belief system. They needed something to see them through the changes and chances of this life. Their faith needed what we might call legs, a sense of the imminence of God, the closeness of Christ's coming among them, the sort of promised presence that changes lives in radical and unpredictable ways. 
promise of Advent that we are given in the words of today's gospel is that we are likely to get precisely this kind of imminent and transformative God in Emmanuel. God with us. Not the God of the gaps or the God who occupies a throne in some otherworldly dimension. Nor a pie-in-the-sky afterlife-only God but a God who is so present, so corporeal, so part of our hearts and bones that we cannot go anywhere beyond the divine touch. That we are bound in every single direction by the grace of the one who understands us more than we will ever be able to understand ourselves. Advent is a hopeful season because the impending apocalyptic images of our readings this time of year are not meant so much to engender fear, but rather to engender promise. Promise that every calamity and upset that touches the mundane aspects of our lives presents yet another opportunity to see the veil pulled back the thin walls of our consciousness and our knowledge and our control broken through by God's impending reign. And with that breakthrough, we are remade again and again in a rhythm that is as ancient as the waves against the seashore by a grace that can never leave us alone a grace that promises to send a child into the very depths of our hearts and our lives. And even in deepest death, holds us with yet deeper love that abides forever. Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to be able to greet you in person very soon.